Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the ninth episode of the Backstory on Marketing. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for all of these episodes and podcasts. I am the author of the upcoming book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win. You can find out more information on this at marketingmachine.prorelevant.com. Today, we'll be speaking with Nick Skitone, Vice President of Business Development for the Hothouse Agency. Let me tell you, though, a little bit about Nick. He started his career in the music business, working for artist management companies responsible for artist relationships, including Duran Duran and John Cougar Mellencamp. He later joined a college television network startup called CTN as the director of programming, where he worked with music labels, ESPN, Glamour Magazine, and the History Channel. Nick joined Hothouse, a marketing agency, about 18 years ago to serve as vice president of business development, focusing on client relationships. Since joining uh, Hothouse, Nick has developed successful long-term client relationships with amazing companies like NBC Universal, Deloitte, Mercedes-Benz, Cox Automotive, Court Furniture, Stars, and a handful of others. Welcome, Nick. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to have you. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so what's your backstory on marketing? Yeah, I mean, the, the way you read my bio, right, I started in the music business, and, and the way that I started there was pretty funny because uh, I was in high school, um, I was in a rock band, graduated high school, thinking to myself, you know what, I'm going to be a famous rock band guy, and uh, started send, sending my demos out to uh, management companies. And uh one of them called me saying, yeah, let's talk. And uh, when I came into the office and interviewed with them, uh, it was less about uh, being in a rock band, but them looking for an intern. And that turned into my opportunity working with the artist management company for Duran Duran. And so uh, it was ironic that what I thought was more of a passion thing for me around being in a rock band actually turned out to be a career thing where it started with uh, working in an, an artist management company learning more about the business and how it works and having a curiosity for it and keep growing within it. Yeah, fantastic. And so uh, so now you're at Hothouse. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on there. Yeah, that was also very accidental because, as you mentioned, you know, I went from the, from the music business side to a, a college television network side that then got acquired by MTV Networks. And um, it was an exciting time because I was in my 20s doing spring break productions, music. I never thought of myself as an agency person. But during that time period, I was working with sponsors. And that's when I got to uh, learn more about the agency side of the, the, the equation where in order to get those brands to sponsor programming, things like that, I had to learn what agencies wanted. So after my tenure with MTV Networks, I was interested in learning more about what the agency world was like. Um, I was introduced to Hot House by a, a friend over at Turner. Um, it was a very, very small shop back then focusing on entertainment marketing, which I thought was perfect for me because our president came from Turner. I came from MTV. Uh, and that's how the, the, the relationship start, got started, really, was can we do more entertainment marketing work, which guy led to relationships with HBO, where we worked on Game of Thrones, where we worked with Showtime and working uh, on shows like promoting Homeland, uh, working with AMC Networks to promote Walking Dead. So it, it was a great start of my agency tenure, which then evolved into more of these integrated brands that you talked about, 
like IHG Hotels and others, because as the agency grew, we invited diverse people to join us. And they had so much other backgrounds that I could leverage in the storytelling of the agency that allowed us to diversify our, our portfolio along the way. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I've been in marketing, uh, you know, maybe just as long as you have. And um, and it is fun to uh, see the brands that you work on. And certainly the bigger brands are, are a lot much more fun. They have a lot more money. And, and then to be on the entertainment side of things for quite a while, that... You know, like uh, The Walking Dead and, and uh, you know, some of the other ones that you mentioned <laughs> had to have been a lot of fun. Sounds like uh, pretty cool ex- and exciting work. Definitely a lot of fun. Great experiences. And, you know, we talk a lot about the brands and the properties, but it's really about the people, right? The people you meet along the way, the people you can connect with and say, hey, can we do something together? Uh, here's an idea. Here's, here's a potential of something we can do together. And to see that spark come alive is the best part of the agency business that, that I've experienced to date. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting too, to see, uh, you know, how those relationships develop and it really does, uh, you know, come down to the one-on-one and, and then, you know, where both sides are really getting a lot of value from, from what, uh, you know, from each side of what they're doing. So, uh, makes a lot of sense. So, uh, but marketing has certainly changed here over the last uh, couple of years and, and now with COVID and post COVID. So what do you think are the, the biggest challenges facing some of your, uh, clients and some of your brands? You know, you hear a lot about data, uh, and data has good sides to it and also challenging sides to it. The data uh, gives you more insights of what brands are looking for to help them elevate their game. But because data is so present now in marketing, people want to see instant ROI. And as you know, you don't see a TV commercial today for a car and then immediately go to the car dealership and buy it. And so there's this pressure, endless pressure on marketers to deliver instant ROI. And so how do we educate marketers and the people that they work with, that these campaigns that we develop, even though there are insights that we're leveraging, data that we're leveraging, we're testing, there's got to be a long game into these kinds of considerations. It's not just about the instant ROI. And so I feel that there's a a lot of pressure now that as AI comes into play and data still becomes more prevalent in these campaigns, how it just puts the pressure to get that instant ROI yeah, absolutely. And uh, we worked for a brand uh, that uh, was about to put a commercial on the Super Bowl, and they wanted by Monday morning, the sun, you know, after the Sunday, they wanted a projection of how well that ad performed and whether it generated an ROI. And uh, so, to your point about, you know, I got to know what happened now. And um, but nevertheless, you know, you're not really only looking at what the short term value is. You're looking for what the long term value, because that's really where where marketing, I think, plays a role uh, and a huge role for the company. It's not about not necessarily only about, you know, closing deals today. It's closing deals tomorrow, next month, next quarter, next year and setting up your brand to do that. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so machine learning and A.I., you mentioned those. They've certainly come to be a, a big component of a lot of the different marketing activities that uh, that underlie the the operations of a of the of the marketing team. Yeah, and you know, to to expand on that, you know, you can have all this data in front of you. You still need people to dissect it, to analyze it, to make a hypothesis of what we can do with it. Yes, you can test and see things in action, but 
I think the value today for marketers around data is going to be who are those people that can read into the data, see something special in it that's worth testing, worth exploring further, not only from a measurement perspective, but even creativity, right? I mean, when people are seeing ads and things like that, yes, you want them to buy something, but you also want people to feel connected to it, right? And creativity does that. There's a piece of creative that all of a sudden stands out to you and goes, wow, that's pretty clever. I love that this brand did that. Uh, I want to learn more about them. And there's various campaigns in the marketplace that you can immediately think about when you say that, right? Like, wow, they're a very clever brand and how they talk and how they walk. And so uh, I think having the superpower to understand how data could help amplify the next level of creativity uh, is going to be key for marketers. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're working with a uh, furniture company right now, and um, uh, one of the questions is, you know, we know what the data that they have is, but you also have to kind of uh, capture the data that's related to the business question. And, uh, you know, in their case, it um, you know, it's not just about, you know, how well did, does TV work, but how well did this specific campaign work? How well did it influence other subcomponents to that campaign? How did it influence search or, you know, or social or what have you? And, and uh, so it's not just about getting the data uh, that's, uh, that's available, but making sure you're getting the right data and potentially adding data to that to, to make sure you're going to be able to really provide the insights that you need to make those campaigns really, really successful. Yeah, it sounds like what you're saying, Guy, is how you're building on things as you go, right? There used to be a time where campaigns were seen as one and done. It's a holiday campaign, right? It's summer something. Um, but what we're really doing these days is taking a look at the campaigns, how they flow together, uh, what we're learning every time we're trying to build the next evolution, you know, evolution of those things, um, and having at least a, a look back, if you can, to say, okay, what worked there, what didn't work, let's avoid those mistakes, and let's build on those things moving forward, right? But everybody's running with their hair on fire, which means when you get that call saying we need to do something, uh, people want it today. And so how, how do you pause Take a look, ask the questions again, think about the insights, the, the guidance uh, to make sure that whatever you're planning for is a good foundation moving forward built on what you've done in the past. Yeah, you know, it's funny when you, you're talking about that, uh, you know, it's not just uh, what you did today, but how can you continuously improve it? And then also to your point about being able to answer questions very quickly uh, you know, in our business, it takes a while to get uh, to a, a place where you have an infrastructure to where you can then say, oh, you want that answer? I can give you that tomorrow. But I got to build up all of this stuff first, the operations piece of it to be able to do that. And I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, the, the CEO says to the CMO, well, how did it go this weekend? And he needs to know because the CEO has got, you know, this, uh, his uh, shareholder call or his board call or whatever it is. And he needs to know. So, you, you know, you got to be able to answer that. And, uh, and that, uh, that definitely, uh, you know, means that you have to be flexible and, and, and ready to, you know, be prepared for those kinds of questions. And Guy, that's an aspiration we have. Like, it, you know, I think every agency in this country or in this world, you know, not only do they want to work with great marketing teams, they would love access to the other C-suite people to understand what the pressures are on them, how they look at these kinds of programs how they understand how these things can help them with their business, because sometimes it's seen in, in a silo, right? Like by the time an agency sometimes gets a brief, it's already two or three tiers down where it's like the CEO said something, 
Then it went to this tier of people saying, okay, let's put some money behind it. And then there's a team that actually starts thinking about it. And then by the time it comes to us, it's like, can we ask any questions? Can we influence this in any way? And it's like, no, we need to be out there tomorrow. And you're like, okay, let's, let's yeah. work with it. But I think every agency would love a seat at the table to better understand the pressures on the CEO and say, hey, we can do this in the short term, but we also want to make sure we're doing these things for the long term too. How do we balance that for you that you can see it and find value in it and then over time see the results and the impacts of the things we're doing together? Yeah, and I agree with uh, with that. And, uh, you know, and it, uh, no question that you it's easy to get kind of access to kind of the mid-tier level, the senior level, and then to get access, so to speak, to the C-level and then the CEO. It's, you know, it's kind of like a pyramid. You might get, you know, a, a half a minute or a couple of minutes with uh, with them. But one of the things that I've learned that I'm sure you have too is uh, when the CEO asks a question, then, uh, you know, it's really understanding what's behind that question, number one, and then number two, being prepared for that same question, you know, three months from now when the next quarter comes up or being ready to make sure that you're ready to answer those kind of questions because, you know, the, the question is going to come back again. And uh, so we kind of see that as a way to drive how we're supporting our clients uh, based on what those questions are that get asked. No doubt. I mean, I always tell our people that 50% of what we do is politics. Um, not only are we selling to audiences, but we're actually, you know, finding out politically how things work internally to get people aligned, to get people to see value, um, to understand how it connects to, to their business strategy, to make everyone say we're vested in it. And it's not just a, it didn't perform, it's done. It's, it didn't perform as good as we thought. How can we build on it? And so um, understanding those nuances of, of what triggers people uh, internally to say yes, no, stop, pause uh, is absolutely critical. So, you know, we're, we're becoming consultants to them uh, in the spirit of just partnership and, and building better together. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about 50% is politics, uh, I mean, it, there's certainly a, a big piece of that because everybody has a different agenda. And uh, uh, one of the big challenges that uh, we have is, and we try and overcome that by, uh, you know, doing interviews ahead of time, stakeholder interviews, to make sure we understand exactly what they all want. And I'm sure you do a kind of a similar process. So, uh, uh, because you have to understand it and you have to not only, and I think one of the hardest jobs for a, an agency is is selling the creative internally, because there's always people that think that, you know, they have a maybe... And I don't mean it in a negative way, but they might have a slightly better idea or, hey, how does that, you know, how do you think that's going to work? What's the research on it? And being able to really sell that internally to the to the rest of the company is a, is a big challenge. Yeah, that's changed a lot over time, Guy. I don't know how, I'm sure that this really successful agencies do this and, and we've learned to do this, which is it's not about you giving us a brief, we disappear, and then we come back to you with an aha moment. It's about uh, co-creation. It's about collaboration that they're part of every step because budgets are always tight. No matter how much budget you get, it's always tight, right? You can get a hundred thousand, a million dollars, and it always feels tight. Um, so what you don't want to do is waste people's time and money. So knowing that there's a lot of political pressure internally for these things to work right, uh, having the spirit of co-creation where we're working together at every step of the way, there shouldn't be any surprises once we go into the marketplace. There shouldn't be hey, I knew it wasn't going to work because, you know, these guys surprised us with an idea too late. No, we've been building it together. 
we've been getting buy-in along the way. And so I think the successful agencies obviously understand that and have to continue to go down that path of co-creation. Yeah, I really like that term, and I'm going to have to, you know, <laughs> you're 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 almost consulting to me on some of the things because uh, that term is a good one. We do, you know, we do a lot of that as well. As you know, it's not just us throwing some numbers across the transom and and hoping they stick. It it is a question of well, what is it that you want, and uh, and that absolutely makes a lot of sense. And and certainly for an agency and getting the you know the right the right materials out and the right creatives out and the right channels done and everything. It has to be uh, co-created. So uh, do you see any differences though between uh, larger clients and smaller clients? Are they uh, all the same or any major differences there? You know, you, when it comes to larger clients, they have more politics, right? Um, they want to move quickly, but then they themselves sometimes slow themselves down, right? Uh, just because of the nature of the amount of people that have to approve things. Um, to get them to say yes, but they do have bigger budgets and uh, they have more sophisticated in-house resources that allows us to kind of understand better, plug in better and things like that. Uh, the, the emergent brands, they're excited on day one, but their appetite is bigger than their budget, right? And so, uh, and they're less sophisticated. They just want to be out there just testing things where, you know, if it doesn't work, they immediately stop. And so, uh, how do we as an agency bring kind of the balance to those things saying, hey, you're an emergent brand. We know you've got tight resources, but let's plan this out the right way based on our experience so that we can find success. And it's not a short term thing. It's a long term thing. I want to build your brand. Right. Everybody wants to build a brand. And so uh, and so I think the biggest difference is, uh, you know, the bigger companies moving slower, but more sophisticated you know, smaller brands wanting to move quicker, but having less resources and other ways of, of measuring and thinking about things um, that kind of make it a little bit more challenging. But that's our job. You know? Every time we get a call to say, let's do something together, if it, if it checks off the boxes for us to say, OK, I think we can do some special things here. It's up to us to guide them. And so um, sometimes creatives and others just want to do the work. But I think people in my role have to think about okay, I'm here to benefit the client, but I'm also here to benefit our people. How do I set the stage that everyone can play well together, manage expectations, get alignment, and think about the long game? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think, too, to your point about the uh, larger companies, uh, you know, they just have momentum. And uh, that momentum is everywhere. It's in selling, it's in being in distribution, it's being in marketing. And and, uh, you know, so they're ready because to take the longer leap, so to speak, because they they have the infrastructure to really make sure that things are working and uh, and then to, you know, continuously improve and work against that. Um, I think the uh, I think you're right. The smaller companies, they, you know, they're <laughs> depending on how small or how emergent they are. If it doesn't work that first time, you know, they could be really screwed for the for the future. So, you know, you have to take the time even for them to get it right, but you also have to be able to change very quickly when something isn't working. So yeah, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. We're about to, uh, uh, we're about to get into the creative phase for an emergent brand that we're excited about working with where they hired us because we have that big brand expertise. They are listening. Uh, we are co-creating. We are talking about expectations. They're on board. We're on board. The team is excited. And so I'm hoping that when it gets out into the, the marketplace, the, the reactions aren't going to be immediate. It's going to be, how is it performing? What can we do to make it better? And so the test is on, and we'll see where it goes next. But 
you know, we want to preserve that spirit because we want to nurture those things as they progress. Yeah. And you want to keep them for a long-term client. So you have to continue to build on and be successful with them. And, and, and success is not an easy thing. I mean, yeah, you can roll the dice and you might get lucky, but uh, unless you really put in that prep like you're talking about, uh, rolling the dice or the probability of winning is a lot, lot higher. And, uh, and all that prep work is, is critical, no question about it. Yeah, and if you think about it, Guy, like every agency struggles with who do we work with? Sometimes, you know, you want to w- work with the giant brands because you think that it's going to give you fortune and fame, and they prove to be really difficult. And then you work with some mid-market clients that you're like, oh, pleasantly surprised that we can do bigger things with them. Then some of these emergent brands, you know, some of them do do turn out to be a winner for you because, you know, you're happy with the relationship, with the outcomes. But, you know, making decisions on who to bet on is, you know, and it's not just a brand thing. It's it's an agency thing, too. Like, we look at the, the stuff that comes our way and goes, okay, is this right for us? Do we want to invest in this? Do we see upside? Are they listening to us? Uh, can we influence them? Can they? Are they going to value us? Uh, like, there's a whole host of questions we ask ourselves. And if it checks enough boxes, we're like, okay, we hope they're in it with us. Um, but, you know, you, you only find out when, once you're in it to see, you know, what succeeds and what doesn't and what are the learning lessons uh, regardless. Because even if, when, when things go well, you want to learn from those things and say, okay, how do we apply those principles to this? And when it's not working, how do we avoid Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and to your point as well, um, uh, I mean, luckily, I've never had to fire a client. All our clients have been really good and, you know, ready for the kind of environment that we have. But you're right. If you, you know, you, you run into a client and you think, you know, they're going to be able to work with them and be able to help them and, and guide them along uh, to really have success on both sides. And then sometimes, uh, you know, I, you know, you hear stories where the, the politics or the internal whatever is going on and you just can't, you just kind of can see that you just can't be successful there. Yeah. It's just organic. All of a sudden it just stops because, yeah. it, you know, it proves to be too difficult to nurture and maintain that sometimes it's not even about firing. It's like we both see it that it's just, hey, it's not what we thought it would be. You're a giant company. We'd love to do that kind of work with you. But for some reason, there's so many stops and so many twists and turns that it's turning our stomachs to. And uh, we'd love to do this with you, but all of a sudden the conversations just end and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get on to some positive stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what do you see as the uh, big trends coming up uh, in marketing? What's, uh, what's really hot now and where do you think there's some new opportunities for brands to uh, maybe get some short-term or even some long-term wins? Yeah, I think, you know, the world of creativity is always exciting if you can embrace the next generation of creativity, right? Uh, You're hearing about the metaverse, uh, and obviously agencies like ours are like, what is this world about? You know, what what are brands doing? What does it mean from a creativity perspective development? Uh, We talked about data on on all things. Uh, At first, it scared us because we were like, oh, my God, the machines are taking over the world. But then you're like, you know what? Those, Those data points need to be powered by creativity. Uh, again, who are those people that can help unpack the, the data to help us build better creative? And so I think marketers are now starting to find this balance that it's not just all about data, data, data. Can we bring it the balance back between data and creative? So I think that allows people to be creative again, uh, that you're leading with creative strategy. You're testing a little bit more. Uh, you're thinking about uh, creative segmentation. 
that whatever I do on TV is not what I'm going to be doing on TikTok. And so, you know, who are the players uh, in the marketing side, on the brand side, as well as on the agency side? Who are the specialists that can inform something new and different? Uh, and so it's about curiosity. You know, if you, if you have the appetite for it, uh, testing, um, determining what's working on different platforms. Uh, so I think the bevy uh, of opportunities within the creative, creative space is endless. It's just a matter of what's right for the brand, uh, what's right for the budget at hand, and the players that are involved that we can co-create together and see how we can elevate the messaging and the creativity in such a way that really connects with people. Because at the end of the day, I think the reason why you, you join the agency business is because you want to connect with people, whether it's on the on the brand side or your, or on the end user, the consumer side. It's it's that feeling you get, like wow, it's connecting. I, this what if this conceptual idea is resonating, and I'm a part of it. Uh, so it's exciting to see. We just won an award with one of our clients, uh, IHG Hotels, and it was all about welcoming back travelers because of what's been going on with COVID. Uh, and the spirit of the spot is positive. Uh, we went with like happy music, the world's opening up again, go connect with people. Uh, it resonated, it, it achieved all the things, but you know, creatively it made us all smile. Like this, it put a smile on my face. And when I posted it, even on LinkedIn, you know, even the business community smiled and said, this is great. And so I think that's why we do what we do, right? Because it connects with people and, and it puts a smile on your face. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think the, uh, um, you know, there was kind of a tendency to do a lot of data and we're the data guys and, you know, we love good data. But on the other hand, we know that uh, the reason why the creative guys may get the big bucks is because it is hard to come up with really good creative. And that really just resonates kind of like what you were saying with IHG, you know, that creative that resonates, that's just an immediate success. Uh, you know, and there's there's a, a really a handful of good examples that where one little creative put the company on the map. And uh, one of them is uh, Aflac. We've, we used to work with Aflac and uh, that Aflac duck, when it came out, it was just it just the company just exploded. And that's you know, that's where the creative is just so important. Pure gold. Yeah, I do think, you know, as long as creatives know that we have to be data led insights led uh, it's all about a, a business strategy once that's set let the creativity come into play let it go in places where you didn't think was possible and test it see where it happens it might shock you you know think like areas that you didn't think the creative should be might be one of the most um, influential areas where it's growing your business because you just didn't think about that you know initially so uh, I think to your point, you know, it's becoming more balanced and I think it's good for everyone. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, and I think you're right. You know, you, you know, the balance between too much data, too little creative or whatever, I think it's definitely swinging back to uh, more creative. And I, I do believe, uh, you know, that the, the most successful companies are going to use data to drive their creative and uh, and then, of course, to, you know, provide continuous improvement along the way. So it makes, definitely makes a lot of sense. So uh, looking into the future, then, um, uh, where do you see uh, growth coming from for uh, uh, now, you know, given that maybe there's a market slowdown or, or whatever, where do you see growth coming from? Yeah, uh, I mean, in terms of where growth comes from, I, I think it, it starts with keeping an open mind having a curiosity for new things. Uh, as you know, Guy, I'm a part of AMA Atlanta, 
which is part of uh, the National American Marketing Association, putting on events where we're talking about what's next, right? So having a curiosity for new ground, if you are receptive to it, understand it, and can package those opportunities up to clients and prospects and say, yeah, I think we understand this enough to be dangerous. You know, would you, could you, what if, explore together, I think that can unlock new growth. You know, not only for our agency, it's not a selfish thing. It's more about, could you imagine if we tested something, how this could help your business too? So I think the growth comes from new media platforms, new levels of of creativity that uh, brands are willing to invest in, us having constantly an open mind that it's not these six, seven things that we do in marketing, that it could be 10, 12, 15 things. Um, It allows us to to even be more conceptual, uh, test in more areas. Uh, and really push the boundaries on what marketing really is, right? Uh, it used to be considered just an advertising campaign. Uh, there are brands that are probably doing things that, are, that aren't advertising, that are really working well, and it's helping the business to grow. And so what are those channels like? And understanding it better, whether it's B2B, whether it's trade show, whether it's consumer, uh, it's, it's having that open mindset that you know, everything can, can be in play and that allows us to grow in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think there's also, uh, you know, to your point about taking on potentially trying or testing new media channels. And, um, you know, I think, you know, going back 15 or 20 years when the Internet first came out, I think there was, you know, big winners that just of brands that just jumped on the jumped on and moved very quickly and then you have you know all of the all of the improvements that have taken place since then, and those early brands that jumped on that. And uh, you know, you mentioned the AMA, and we have a, an event coming up on NFTs. Uh, maybe talk about NFTs. What do you see going on there? Yeah, like like I mentioned to you, you know, it's a it's a new world. Uh, we don't fully understand it, and so we asked some experts to join us. So we got the global director of Meta. That's yeah. huge. Uh, obviously, they're deeply immersed in that world. Uh, and then we even got the head of innovation from Turner Sports, who, when I, when I spoke to this individual, said, hey, we're using these sports properties in basketball, golf, and other, and other properties that they work with to do these brand immersion experiences. And we're like, wow, tell me more. And so, you know, I'm very curious to learn more about how brands are, are thinking about these metaverse NFT-related experiences to engage with consumers how things can get tokenized, how you get incentivized, how you get rewarded as a customer, uh, as a fan. Um, what it mean? What does it mean? How's it, how is it dimensionalized? Uh, so it's very, very exciting to learn more. So, but, but just like you and maybe others, you know, we're asking the questions, is this relevant with the brands that I work with? Who could it be relevant for? We might be stereotypical about it and say it's not relevant for this brand, but maybe after this conversation, we're like, hmm, maybe what if... What if we tested that? I didn't think it was right for them, but maybe we can take 5% of a budget and see what we can do with that, see if it has any meaning to it. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to learn more from these individuals uh, about what's possible and what the future is going to look like because they're building the platforms for the future for other uh, entities to come in and play. It's a sandbox, right? Um, so it's going to be exciting to learn more from them. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, even uh, even other technologies like even, you know, a smartphone or whatever, when they first came out, they weren't smart. And uh, and now, I mean, 
the uh, you know you only use the phone for uh, maybe one percent of its capabilities, and uh, you know hopefully there'll be some really interesting things coming up with uh, NFTs or maybe there's you know other stuff that uh, that'll be really fascinating. Yeah, I'm excited to hear more about that. That's for sure, and uh, no ready to invest in something. I don't know what it is, but invest in in something there. Yeah, I mean if, if marketers uh, want to learn how to really succeed in our world, die. Uh, everyone's talking about the skills that you need to have, right? And of course you need to have skills, right? If you if you want to be a designer, you got to have design skills, right? If you're going to be a videographer, you got to learn how to, to shoot video. Um, but I do think the most important quality you can bring to the table is curiosity, right? Uh, an open mind uh, to say what's possible. Because if you just look at things from a one-track perspective, that's where life will take you. But if curiosity says, how could I play in this? What would that be? And having also the skills to be able to sell those things conceptually to people, right? We, we're in a conceptual world, right? We're building ideas in our own minds, uh, having the gift to sell something to other people to say, what if? And being excited and showing people that you love it enough that it's worth pursuing. Um, that's like a gift that you can give not only to yourself, but to give to other people you work with because People like to rally around things to see, okay, how could we? Let's build it together and let's hack it. You know, design thinking is all about I'm giving you something and just keep hacking it to make it better. Uh, so I think, you know, that spirit needs to come alive uh, even bigger in bigger ways uh, as these new worlds open up for us. Yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned uh, curiosity before and I was going to hone in on that. And you are so right. Uh, and that's not a skill I don't know if you can learn that skill in college or whatever, but it's definitely <laughs> something that, you know, if you have that, whether you're going to be a designer or a creative or a media buyer or whatever it is, uh, if you have the curiosity, you are going to do, uh, you have to do well, because it's just asking the question, well, how could we maybe use this to our advantage in some way? Yeah. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. So um, if you were going to invest in the future in a technology and lay down, you know, 10 grand or something like that, what would that be? Um, it, it, again, I think like the metaverse, uh, given that it's a new ground territories, I see the younger generation not um, consuming the, the media that maybe perhaps you and I don't want to stereotype you guys because you're much, probably much younger than me. Um, but, uh, you know, I see the way they're consuming media. It's much differently than the way I grew up, right? Newspapers are not a thing anymore. Neither are magazines. Um, TV, while people are watching it, it's more on demand, and that means you're, you're bypassing the ads. Um, so these new worlds that are opening up on social, some of them are going to take off in big ways. And so, you know, could, could you buy a piece of real estate within it and, and have that kind of uh, ability to create something in it to test uh, to invite brands to even be a part of it, I think that's where I would put some money for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. Is uh, you know, could you buy a, you know, a property on Times Square, or could you buy a property in Central Park, or something like that, and whatever it is in the metaverse, and uh, and then hold on to it for a handful of years and and make some money at it. Um, I remember, uh, you know, Delta dot com used to not be owned by Delta Airlines. <laughs> And they had to pay big bucks for that. So whoever had it, it was supposedly a computer store, but whoever had it, man, they did uh, they did pretty well by you know picking out that one asset that was really valuable. Yeah. So, uh, but 
so anyway, uh, so what's the one of the most important thing you'd like to get across today before we close? I think that curiosity factor that I was leaning into, you know, I'm not a traditional marketer. I came from the music side of things, the television side of things. Uh, I found the business of the agency world curious enough to learn more about it and then stumble my way into it. Um, even when I meet with people, it's not, it's not necessarily I'm going in there with a hard business proposition. It's really about listening, learning, asking a million questions, uh, seeing what's on the minds of people. So I think that if you have a spirit of curiosity, I think it can take you to, to lots of different places, lots of fun places that you didn't even think were possible, uh, just simply because you asked uh, and you were curious enough to ask. Yeah, it's funny how that uh, that that question, the what if question, is uh, so uh, so important. And uh, and then you know that innate you either have it or you don't, or you you have it really strong or maybe not so strong, but. Being able to really be curious about you know how this works or how this could work, and I think that that's a really good point. So, anyway, Nick, thank you uh, so much. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, and actually, uh, you know, I, I need to get some consulting from you. <laughs> you, you. There were a couple of things that you mentioned that I could definitely use and how I pitch my business and stuff like that. So, uh, really appreciate it. And uh, otherwise, uh, please stay tuned for other videos in this series of the backstory on marketing. And uh, please visit marketingmachine.prorelevant.com to download this, the first chapter of my book and other valuable excerpts. Nick, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Guy. Thank you. Bye-bye.